Hey, welcome to the 1505 Club. Today my guest is Dr. Marcos Perivaleras. He and his wife Brittany have only been in practice for a short amount of time, but he's already doing something that I did when I first started my practice. They're using patient lectures to help them build their practice and to create an army of people ready and able to refer. I was asking him some questions about what they were doing and how it was working for him, and I quickly realized that based on some messages I've received lately from some other people, that this was a conversation I needed to record because it was going to help a lot of people with what they're trying to do. So without any further ado, Dr. Marcos Perivaleras. Dr. Perry Valeris, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Is that still uh, uh, odd to you to hear your name like that? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it, it is weird to say it. It's, it's hard when uh, my wife and I, Britt, we go into each other's room and we look at each other like uh, Dr. Brittany, Dr. Marco, and it's like a little odd still, but we're getting used to it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, since we haven't done it, let's start where we always start. Let me have you explain a little bit about how you got into Gonstead Chiropractic and and how you found yourself where you are now. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty wild story, to be honest. I mean, I was going to go to physical therapy school and I was in my senior year of college um, and I played baseball in college. So I probably missed half of my classes that senior year just for games because it was my last uh, semester there. And it, out of one of those days I was actually able to go, uh, a chiropractor came and talked to our class about a going forward into your uh, next realm type of uh, education. And he was just explaining what chiropractic was. Uh, and he was just a local chiropractor, talked about the principles of chiropractic. And I was like, well, wow, that's pretty cool. I actually see myself doing more of that than doing just physical therapy. Because, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that really hit home with me. So I just kind of went on a leap of faith there, went to uh, apply to chiropractic college ended up going to Florida because I wanted to be in warm weather so nothing I picked was based on anything chiropractic it was all about getting into the warm weather and then I got down there and when I was down there my goal usually is to find the smartest person that I can learn from and try and be like them and uh, in our first quarter class Dr. Scott Meisel was our history and philosophy teacher and he was just he just had that that it factor almost of someone that's done it and came back to give back to the profession as opposed to a lot of the other professors there weren't teaching to give back as much they were there to kind of um they had other intentions to be there teaching so uh i just asked dr meisel a bunch of questions and went to every club there was uh motion palpation club uh kinesiology club everything and uh i asked a lot of questions and every time i would ask questions at other clubs they would say, oh, that's just because that's how we do it. Just do what we say. Where I would ask Dr. Meisel these questions and he would have a logical reason and explanation as to why Gonstead chiropractors did what they did. And so for me, it just made so much sense that coming from someone that was never adjusted, I, I enjoyed the thought process and logic and the step-by-step -step deduction to come to a conclusion of what needed to be adjusted. And uh, it, it's just something that I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So I just kind of stuck with him, followed him as much as I can, annoyed him as much as I could about what he did and why and why he would think this way. And that's how I got into Gonstead. And from there, I've been surrounded by an annoying many 
great doctors like yourself as well. I, I know I annoy you a lot about questions, but it's something that I just really enjoy learning from the people that represent what Gonset Chiropractic is. And uh, it's, it's the gold standard of chiropractic, you know? I mean, there's no other system that I've experienced that takes such an in-depth look and analysis into what's going on for patients. So it was just very simple for me to want to do that and help anyone that ever walks in the door, whether they have a terminal illness or they are fine. The Gonset system gives you a very concrete and stabilized way to find their problem consistently and help them function better despite what they have. So it's it was a no-brainer once we kind of got around the why behind what each system did. So that's how I got into it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So the reason I asked you on is because um, we were texting about some other stuff and I realized that there's something that you were doing that I wanted, that I had questions about. I want to know what your experience was. And then at the same time realized that based on some emails I've received and some Facebook messages I've gotten, that I'm not the only one who's interested in those in the answers to those questions. So I thought, okay, there's a way to do this. Let's have you come on and you can answer them for everybody and not just me. Um, and, and so I intentionally did not ask you my questions yet because <laughs> I didn't want to know the answer ahead of time. And I thought this will just be better. I'll just, I'll restrain myself and I'll wait. But one of the things I noticed that you're doing, uh, and I didn't tell you about this, about me doing this either, but you do a lot of patient lectures in your office as a way of bringing in patients. Well, when I started my first office back in 2001, that is exactly what I did is I had a waiting room that would hold people. And I kept, and initially I thought, well, I have this big waiting room. It's got to have a purpose besides just holding people. Um, <laughs> and so, and especially when you first start, you don't need much of a waiting room because there ain't nobody waiting. No, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do with it? So I had this thing and I was like, let's use it for teaching classes and educate people. And so I saw you were doing some of that. And so I kind of wanted to ask you about that. And, and what part of your new patient strategy is the part of teaching people classes within your office? Yeah, I honestly, the this is all things that have been here for so long in the profession, which I've learned from, uh, actually, Dr. Josh Lawler was the one that first told me about this just a few months ago about how he really built his practice. And it's, it's definitely something that isn't new at all by any means. It's just telling the chiropractic story. And um, my history, as I told you how I got into chiropractic, I was never adjusted until I went to chiropractic college. So never visited a chiropractor, understood it. My family was the family that was like, oh, don't go there. You're going to get hurt if you go to a chiropractor, right? Or I don't have back or neck pain, so why would I go? Um, that was always my perception and my upbringing from my family and we didn't know any better so that's kind of where for me that's a almost a, a personal thing that I think the biggest problem with chiropractic is that people don't understand it and understand why it's beneficial for them to maintain and be at their optimal functional level they could be at um, if I, I played college baseball my uh, and baseball my whole life up uh, until I went to chiropractic school and if I knew or was educated about how it would just make me function the best I could, I kick myself because I got hurt so much in college that I probably wouldn't have gotten hurt as much. And same with my wife. Uh, I, I don't want to tell her story too much, but um, she was someone that had three ACL surgeries and five total knee surgeries on the same leg, non-contact, all running in a straight line. And 
we kind of were just sitting down at night. This is what we talk about at dinner. It's kind of how crazy it is that we never went to a chiropractor before because for her, her symptoms of constipation, horrible menstrual cycles, and all knee dysfunction were like, well, it's the same nerve involved. I mean, it's once you look back and you're like, wow, I could have avoided this, this, and this possibly if I was adjusted. So that's where for us, it it's just getting the message out about what chiropractic is, because even though on your day one visit or even day two, you have the ability to explain a little bit about chiropractic, a lot of times patients don't necessarily listen or absorb too much. They only care about why they're there. Are we going to get them better? And how long is that going to take and how much? So that's what they're focused on in those type of visits, where if we get a chance to bring them into just a separate, just we call it a new patient orientation uh, every first and third Monday of the month, but also we do just lectures on a topic once a month too. So we did gut health, uh, women's health. We're going to do a pediatrics health and uh, kids health for moms. So we're trying to implement all of these educational opportunities just because the biggest problem is just people don't know. And that's what you hear and everyone hears in every office. I'm sure like, oh, I had no idea this could come from my back, you Mm -hmm. know, or things like that. So they have said, I feel like the world's indoctrinated them so much into thinking in a medical way that almost we need to do a better job of educating about the truth of the human body and how we can help people function better that way. So that's why we've been really doing that more than anything. And it's been amazing. I mean, every that that's probably our best new patient referral income that we get at all is just doing those lectures. And then a family member comes because we tell them to bring family and friends um, or they tell someone else. And now they are explaining chiropractic the way we're explaining it to their friends and family. So they're out there almost being our marketers for us just by educating them on the story. So it's been working amazingly. Well, I love the approach because you're using overhead space you're already paying for anyway. There's no additional cost. It's actually doing something for you. And then um, I guess what I'd like to do is best we can give people a playbook for how to do this kind of thing because um, I know there's a lot of people who either just started a practice and they're worried about how they're going to pay overhead or they've Mm -hmm. Or they're looking at starting a practice and they go, I just don't know if I can do it. Do I take on the risk? Do I go work for somebody? And this really is, to me, it's always been the most cost-effective and best tool. Because like you said, when you start educating the people who are going to be doing the referrals for you, you get way better referrals. People come in and they give you useful information because now they know what actually matters because they were educated well. So it makes a huge difference. So I guess um, you kind of covered it a little bit because you're having them bring in family members, but even right off the bat, how did you originally get people to come in? And do you do any things or any events or any, is there any attempt to get people who are not part of your office to come in as like a a gateway entry to come to one of the lectures if they're not, if they've never done it before? So we actually just, we had a patient that homeschools her child. And then I just was talking to her about how our education education system for public schools don't do a great job of educating kids about health or how to explain that they're not doing okay to their parents. And um, she was like, you know, that'd be a really cool idea. And I just asked her to bring all of the different homeschool kids that they do field trips for, because she said they do field trips every Friday. I said, why don't you just come here and we'll do a lecture on a little bit of what chiropractic is and how to almost communicate to your parents and family that things are 
that you're feeling either anxious or because um, we, we don't use those words. We're saying when you feel nervous in a situation that you're feeling out of control and then you get angry, what do you do in this situation? Do you get upset or do you tell your parents, hey, I'm not feeling blah, blah, blah. And then educating the kids almost how to explain to mom and dad or their guardian, I need to get checked in a sense. Um, that was really cool to do. So we've reached out to different coaches as well, um, different um, homeschooling uh, groups and different schools because they all do field trips. So it's really finding communities that align perfectly with chiropractic, which would be nearly everyone. You know, um, We just reach out to them and say, hey, we have two docs that would love to just explain a little bit about a topic. So we reached out to a local high school coach and said, it's football season now. So, hey, we can do a lecture on how to prevent injury, how to recover faster from injuries and any little thing to get us in the door to at least have them trust us and explain, have us explain what chiropractic is. That was always our biggest thing. So um, we just do a lot of emails and even phone calls to those particular heads of either teams or schools and invite them in. And I mean, we'll have uh, food. We tried different things, um, like saying dinner will be served. But then we had people in the community that came just for dinner, not for anything else. So we had a couple of people that were recurring just coming in for the food. So we had to kind of curb that. But um, it's, I think the best thing for us now that we've done is more having a new patient orientation that every new patient needs to sign up for. And we say, we require this to happen. If it's something that they can't do that day, then we'll do it uh, earlier before their visit. So we're just trying to explain why chiropractic fits into their life. And we make our own handouts too. So in our, we made our own folders, made our own handouts, personalized to pretty much explain why it's not just about getting out of pain or having a symptom go away. It's a little bit more than that chiropractic. And they've been, people are hungry for these answers. They really are. I mean, people want to know why they have this uh, crazy diagnosis of IBS or they have this other thing and what's really going on. So um, we just say we want to make them their own health advocates if they want to learn it. And a lot of people do. They want that power. So um, setting it up by getting them interested in learning how their body works in a way that is applicable for them to understand is important. And that's always how we foundationally start to get them to come. And then in our lecture, we kind of go through first, what did it, and it's a lot of philosophically based stuff that are all in the green books. Uh, what D.D. Palmer's first question was of why are we, why does two men sitting at a table, one gets sick and the other doesn't? And I asked them that question. And then I just have them all write down their answers or raise their hands and try and explain it. And then we just break it down from that foundational point to build it up to say, okay, the purpose is that you're not able to adapt. And then once they get that idea of adaptation, then they can really understand why chiropractic is important. So um, our, it, it's almost doing what the AMA tried to do in the, uh, in, the, in the early days, but in a chiropractic way and switching around a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's good. Did you, uh, do you notice that... Um that because of the education process that when, when you're actually seeing the patient, you don't have as many questions to answer on their visit by visit basis because they already have that solid foundation from the beginning. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not the, and they're not like questioning us every single second. Like we, I mean, we're younger docs, of course, we just opened up and started, but um, they get the idea that every process does require time after going through that lecture and they're not in there on visit to saying, why am I not better yet? And so we're getting a lot of those initial objections and things that would kind of be pushed back at us uh, and give us some pressure to say, okay, we got to start getting them to start getting some results here. They understand how the process works now and that a lot of times we're coming in going completely downhill and it's a huge snowball. So not only are we trying to stop that boulder from going down the hill, but start to get that boulder going the other way. So they understand that the momentum that they're coming in is in a downward path now and that we have to get them back up. So they're not questioning us as much about any different thing. And uh, we tell them what's important to tell us, you know, so we go through that. It's normal to be sore after an adjustment. Um, so they don't come in and say, oh, I'm hurt now. So all those little things that we try to explain either on visit one or visit two and just almost give a fire hose worth of information. I just say, we're going to go through more of this on your orientation. And so they, they, uh, they absorb it better than, than any other time because they're, they know they're coming to learn as opposed to, they just think they're coming to get adjusted. And then you're trying to go and explain 30 minutes long of chiropractic that usually is less absorbed. So they, it, it does really keep conversations much shorter and they even start getting they start thinking of people in their lives that's what our visits usually are when we're checking them now they're like you know what i just thought about this my sister had this this and this going on you explained in your lecture that this could be coming from the nervous system do you think she should get checked and so a lot of the times we're more just going through of how we can help their family now yeah so let's talk about that a little bit because um you're a natural teacher. You like to teach. I do too. Like if I had to see patients for eight hours, then teach an hour class, the hour class would be the highlight of my day. Like, yeah. Um, I'd be looking forward to it all day long. Like these people need to go away so I can teach my class. Um, so that's just how it is. So I know there are a lot of people who are intimidated by the thought because they're like, well, I don't know how to put together a program and I don't know about the teaching. And it is true. Initially it is kind of awkward being up in front of people and trying to structure everything. But um, you get used to that part. What advice would you have? And I'm mainly thinking about the keep it simple because mm -hmm. they don't need they don't need a 30 minute um, fire a hose chiropractic education. What they need is to understand the basic concepts that we've talked about before. Um, just basic um, uh, clothespin cycle uh, or paper mm -hmm. cycle. Um, yeah just simple stuff, just that basic understanding that the nerves control the organs, things we take for granted. And it's, it's horrible for me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> because you're in the perfect place to do it because coming right out of school, you still have a lot of things fresh in your mind. You also um, are a little bit hungry. And so you put those two things together and it creates this mode of what I would call hyper-realistic. Mm -hmm. That's what I found it did for me is I thought I've got bookshelves worth of books and information. I don't need all that. I need to extract pieces of it. But then the fact that I'm a little desperate and I'm hoping to make this happen makes me become hyper-realistic as to what they can handle, what they can see. When you get to be older like me, you start to, um, you get the distance, you get the gap between the two. And then sometimes it's harder for me to relate. Like I can even tell you now, when I, right after I quit playing football, I could coach it a whole lot better than I could today. 
today my brain is so far i'm like how do you not know this like everything you just is like is, i take it for granted and you've never heard it before and as chiropractors that sometimes happens to us as we get older and we start seeing it as well i've taken it for granted for 10 years how do you not know this and so uh, same thing with trying to teach adjusting actually sometimes when people are good adjusters they're so divorced from not knowing how it's hard for them to help somebody who doesn't know how so it's that's that's inherent in everything so it's kind of a i think it's a really great time to be doing lectures like this because while at the same time you're building a solid foundation in your practice, you're also building a solid foundation in yourself, which is like the key that you've repeated it over and over and over. For the rest of your life, it'll roll off your tongue like it's nothing because you've done it so many times. And I, I think there's a huge value in that. Yeah, and that's something I, I, and again, this may come from both my wife and I's perspective of our entire life experience beforehand. We only knew chiropractic for all of the objections that people would possibly give chiropractic. So Uh once you go, you got to always go and you got, and you can't stop going. So it's like, you're, it's like an addiction. That's, that's one way people think of it. They think that a lot of chiropractors out there trying to take your money in major care plans too, which is happening more now than anything. That's kind of the biggest objections I've heard recently is things like that. Um, Because we get a lot of different people from, at least I would say 90 to 95% of our patients are patients that have been to at least a couple of chiropractors in our area or around before that didn't do a system as in depth as God said. So when they come to us, they're like, they never did this, this, they just tried to sell me on this. And that's what, so big thing is selling. And then also um, that you're going to get hurt and, oh, don't go if you have anything really wrong with you, because then you're going to hurt yourself more by going to a chiropractor. So that's where for me, I'm very passionate about almost being able to relate to them a little bit more because I was like that. And now I'm like the polar opposite of where that was now at this point after being surrounded by this, um, this perspective of health and life and living. And so that's where I'm very passionate about trying to get that get more people to understand this way of thinking because I was there and I and I get where what what that thought process is like and that allopathic inductive way of reasoning through things. So it, it made it very uh, easy for me to be able to say, listen, I get what you're saying here and I get why you're thinking this way. And let me try and explain it to for you to understand. So when we're doing these lectures, the first thing we're always doing is trying to almost have them understand that this is a paradigm shift from where they've initially been thinking because if we don't get them out of that allopathic inductive reasoning type of way of thinking then they'll never understand chiropractic because that's just not what chiropractic is you know so the first thing is always for us like okay do you think that you're getting headaches because you lack advil in your bloodstream probably not and then we just really and Dr. Rob Sinat, uh, he always says some great like phrases that I, I use all the time now um, in our office. And it's all about just how do you almost make them. And you did a, a podcast on how you get people to understand something is you make them feel almost stupid about it. And um, that's where or they answer their own question in a way that now they understand why it's logical to be that way and think that way. So when we're saying that oh, you're not having headaches and your Advil didn't fix your headaches, it's numbing your symptoms, that's very important. So it's the, the easiest way we do it is we try and keep it as simple as possible. 
And we just say, if your house is burning down and um, you're trying to have, and you call 911, firefighters come and they come inside your house while everything burning down, they just take the batteries out and leave. Are you happy with your what, what just happened? No, because your house is still going to burn down. The, the noise went off and the fire alarm went off, but that doesn't mean the fire's gone. So they get that really quickly. And then um, now they understand that it's about addressing that root cause. So then once we get there, we're able to move on to what we do as constant chiropractors and why we can help them and how it fits into their life, not just once they're when they're in their current pain cycle, but once they're out of that and they want to live an optimally healthy and functioning life. Because, I mean, Dr. Uh, BJ Palmer is always quoted too talking about how they want to empty out all the jails and all the ins- insane asylums in the world. That's their goal, which is an incredible goal. Um, so that's kind of, a, it's a bigger idea than just the pain cycle. And uh, even in a lot, uh, even in Gansa too, there's a lot of a mechanistic way of thinking sometimes where it's uh, only pain-based and that's almost similar to medicine when we start thinking about it and going that way. So we want to make sure they understand that it's about more than just pain and it's more than just symptoms. It's about preventing things from getting worse and also functioning at your optimal level. And people really love that type of stuff. They do. Because yeah, everything yeah. in the news now is about how do you fight off. It's like we're like we're boxing against a, a virus, you know, or a or, or pain. Like it's not something we can like we're trying to have a fist fight against. We we want our body to be able to handle it and overcome it. So it's a refreshing change from everything else everyone's been taught, and they know that their body has that ability once they get it explained to them. So people absorb it really well. I think you're right. Um... COVID kind of messed up a lot of people's paradigm because they saw how one virus could cause total neuro disintegration. And so now some people have breathing problems and some people have mental problems and some people have this problem. And it's like, yeah, but it's all the same virus. It's just how looking at how your body breaks. It's like, I think there was an old BJ Palmer thing where it was basically like you could measure all the different ways in which a room can be dark, but what does it tell you about how to make it light? All you have to do is turn the light on and the darkness is gone. So yeah. it doesn't matter how many different ways you study the darkness. It doesn't tell you anything more about the light. And so that's kind of what we're reaching is we reach this point where people are starting to understand that their sickness, whatever manifestation that might have, is still a function of the same root problem. And if we just turn on the light, then it doesn't really matter how you broke. It can be repaired. Yeah. And, and that's also a big important. question people ask is how did this happen or um why does this keep showing up? And that's where we get to answer those type of questions because we'll we'll talk a lot about, or not a lot, but we, we spend a good slide on what dyshyphenes and disease is. And if they, them understanding what dyshyphenes is actually one of the most important things. And our chiropractic um, lexicon, lexicon and terminology is very important. You know, I think it's uh, something that sometimes people try to avoid using because we think our patients won't understand it, but they really do. If we just take and, and use a lecture like this to explain it, you know, it's a very simple thing. And I just have a little chart where I have dyshyphenes and then an arrow down and then disease. And then that arrow, all I say is uh, plus time. So I just explained to them that you are in a state of dyshyphenes 
when you're subluxated after I already explained what that is in a simple term. And then I say, if you stay like this and time adds up, you get to the disease process. So type two diabetes is it's, it's, you have dyshyphenies of your body and your pancreas is not producing enough insulin. So you leave that with over time that leads to type two diabetes. And that's the disease process, which is just an accumulation of symptoms, right? So that's where they understand that. And I say, chiropractic is actually the only profession that looks to get you wherever you are, whether you are displaying disease, our goal is to get you to optimal function where we're not trying to just get you to display perfect lab numbers or get you to have less symptoms because does that, um, does the medication you're taking, does that actually make your pancreas function better? Or is it just making your blood labs show that number you're in the normal range now? What's the purpose of it? So they, they all really grasp it. And I think talking about things like dyshyphenies, subluxation, they, they understand it. It's just saying, this is the words we use, but this is what it means. And this is why it's applicable to your life. And once they say that, they, they, they do even use that terminology in our office too. It just takes a one little small lecture and they, they get it really well. You know, another funny one is um, in the scientific research right now, one of the uh, most popular ways of describing the function of the nervous system is to use the word tone. The same one that Edie Palmer used and they made fun of him and said he didn't know what he was talking about. So I've noticed that when talking to patients about their nervous system now, I'm, I started using tone more because I'm like, actually, it's cutting edge science, <laughs> even though yeah. it came from the late 1800s. So there's definitely something about nerve tone um, that just plays a role in how it functions. And so we know that when the nervous system functions below optimum, everything it reaches does the same thing. And it's really not a big jump to figure that out. No, and that's where it, just tone and adaptability are the two biggest things that we really have to, that we go over and explain to our patients because they say, oh, how did this happen? I was like, well, if you're not adapting right now to your environment, you can step off the curb wrong and this can happen because your mm -hmm. body's not adapting and you can't resist the force of stepping off the curb sometimes. So it's, a, it's not that it's always, and that's where that's a very easy transition into thought traumas, toxins, and they understand those accumulations ultimately build up to where they're in a state of dyshyphenies and they can't adapt and then they get a subluxation and then 10 years later, now they're in pain. That's, that, that's the explanation process. You know, it's just, we, they appreciate us being able to break down to such a foundational level of what happened and build it back up into why they're experiencing what they are because they're used to a doctor's office that, oh, okay, what's your symptoms? Okay, take this, thank you. You know, that, that's all they get in everywhere else. So they actually appreciate getting told why and what's going on because now they get to make their own conscious decision. They're not just blindly listening. So they feel empowered too. And that's, that's important to make sure people feel empowered and have hope for what they're going through. Yeah. When you do your lectures, do you, um, do you have a dedicated Q and a time where they can ask you any questions that they want? Yeah. Yeah. At the end. So, I mean, we probably spend, if I had to do a time frame, we probably spend 10 minutes on what is, what is, what is dyshyphenies? What is, why are you displaying less than optimal function? Um, that's about 10 minutes. Then we do 10 minutes talking about probably, or maybe five talking about the safety pin cycle and subluxation. So then at that point, that's 15 minutes of talking about the whole 
foundation of what chiropractors, what we look for. And then I, because uh, we have a CLA machine too for uh, heart variability, SEMG and thermo, thermo, uh, thermography. So um, then we say, that's why we do these scans and we explain the why behind our scans and what we do. And then they're like, oh, that's how they find it. So then once they know we know what we're doing and how to find it, that's when we go into, okay, this is why we recommend what we recommend and how we help. So um, that's only 20 minutes worth of time. It's just that. Then we actually spend another 15, 20 minutes on ways to sit properly um, with uh, pictures, ways to sleep properly, and then how to pick things up properly because those are common things that people do outside the office that mess up what we're trying to do as well you know so that's where are they doing russian twists and sit-ups in the gym or are and we just go through in our handout we have a home care instructions and how to rest relax and sleep so then i go through that list over and show them and we all do it together how to go through those different things to make our job easier because now they're educated on not doing things that would put their body in a in a compromised position as they're trying to heal so then they start to heal faster and better too. So we're not answering questions like, oh, can I do this exercise? Can I do this stretch? We kind of get that all taken care of right out of the gate there. So they're up and moving after 15, 20 minutes. And then we'll finish off at the end talking a little bit more about what optimal health is and what it means to be healthy. So saying that it's not a blood pressure, it's not a BMI, health isn't, um, health isn't the presence or absence of symptoms. Because even the WHO and the CDC don't even describe health as that. You know, they have more of a chiropractic definition of health than we realize. So um, you, using those terms, too, and showing that the CDC and WHO also say that, they start to say, okay, that, that's to them, even though we don't think that may be credible, they use that as a credible source and we can just show it in different ways. Yeah, the other great thing about doing it the way you're doing it is that there's, there's certain information that applies to everybody equally. And then there's the mm -hmm. personalization. So if you had to give this same lecture 15 times in a day, um, not only would that be kind of exhausting, but I just know from experience, if you did that by time 12, 13, 14, you're not doing as good of a job because what happens is you start getting confused and thinking, did I already say that already or did I not say that? And then in, in retrospect, you realize that you left things out. So then you try to overhit it on the next one, but leave out new things. And like each time it degrades because that's just human nature. So by giving it one time, you can just give your best on that first time, which we all know that's when we're the sharpest is the first time you get that good foundation. And then when they come in for their visit, then you can personalize it to that person using that same foundation. So I think it's a great foundation that gives the best, basically the best product to the patient. Yeah. And we try to keep it like a silver thread through everything we do in the office. So on our review findings, I made our own folders up and I use the terminology of a D1 disc through a D6 disc and show them about how long it took to get with a time frame of how long that took to get that way. And in their review findings, I put which discs are D1 through 6 and label it for them. So then they understand why we recommend the time frame we recommend it to. So why they do need this much care and it's never going to be questioned really. So um, that we, we try and also individualize it there for them to even say, oh, I have a problem at T7 that goes to here. Oh, wait, I also do have this, this, and this I didn't tell you about. And then that's where we even in the lectures when I give it, I use the patients that are sitting, listening, and I use their cases without pointing them out 
by name. I just kind of will use that as an example. So how I said, are headaches a lack of Advil in the bloodstream? Um, I'll say that, do we think uh, your type two diabetes is coming from, um, I don't know, I'll just use whatever example that kind of comes up for that individual person. Uh, it's because a lot of times your body was able to produce enough insulin, but over time, it's just decreasing slowly that output. So when they see the safety pin cycle and I explain that it's a miscommunication between the brain and body and the output, then that's a very easily understood situation now why their pancreas is producing less insulin. So that's um, they understand that. And it is so simple. That's why I think a lot of chiropractic is misunderstood. It, it's almost too simple for people sometimes. And they think health is supposed to be complicated. So if you're talking to that person, you can show that it can be complicated if you really need it to, but adapting to the people there too is important. So I try to have the most simple baseline points of it. And then depending on who's there, I'll, I'll either go more in depth or less for what they understand. And everyone's always there, like shaking their head, like understanding really well. Even if it, we've had, uh, one lecture give us like five patients just in one uh, lecture. So, I mean, we do that twice a month. It'll keep, I mean, we can be a really good um, new patient income for us there. So, yeah. Okay, so as you're putting your together your uh, your your lectures and, and the information you're giving, I know that uh, philosophy has kind of become a big point. And you, you've mentioned you mentioned to me, and you're right that there's no chiropractic school that teaches philosophy well. I think it's just different levels of bad, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I totally get it because actually that's why I did a pediatric thing before I graduated because I knew I wanted to see kids, but I knew that what I learned in school was not adequate. And so I thought, well, I'm in, I'm in student mode, might as well learn this. So I learned pediatrics before I even graduated and started seeing kids my whole career. So kind of the same thing with philosophy for you, right? Yeah. And, it, and the thing about the philosophy is it's, it's when I'm about to finish my LCP course uh, at the end of this year, my first year, and hope I go on to do the diplomate after. And I'm surrounded by some of the smartest people I've ever been around between uh, Dr. Sinat, Dr. Pogue, and Dr. Lyons there, they do an amazing job with that course. And uh, they do an amazing job helping me understand what does it mean to have a chiropractic mentality. And that's where that keeps your lens so clear. And that's what we are trying to do when we're explaining these lectures to our patients is you're getting a symptom and a disease process that everyone knows about or a syndrome, or a thing like IBS, like everyone hears these words and know about it, but they're getting it through the chiropractic mentality lens, as opposed to the allopathic lens. So when we're doing things, we always need to make sure in our office, it's a silver thread through only a chiropractic lens. And that's where even um, our recommendations we give are through the chiropractic lens, it's not through a business lens. And um, that's important because the patients, are only surrounded by every other type of lens, but a chiropractic mentality. So um, it's important to explain to people because they have that assumption that that is a quackery uh, lens or that's voodoo sometimes, or they hear from their 
PCP or someone in their family that's never been to a chiropractor say things based on what they think. So you have to almost kind of make sure that they are, we're getting all those objections out of the way because then they can trust us that what we're doing is going to help them. And, and the results follow. It does when they are on board with it, because that's where when there's one foot in and one foot out the door, because they're kind of questioning whether or not it'll work. That sometimes is enough to make them not come when they're supposed to come. And then also not be a great patient of doing things right outside of the office as we're, as their body is trying to heal. So then it, it just creates a harder, uh, time of care for that type of patient you know yeah i think for somebody who has if they have trouble with that um stevenson's 33 principles is basically 33 chiropractic philosophy principles directly linked to scientific knowledge scientific facts and so mm-hmm. if you can't draw that distinction he does it for you and what's crazy to me is i think there's more chiropractic schools that would discourage you from reading that book than there are chiropractic schools that would encourage you so that means most chiropractors have never read that book and don't even realize that that's what's in it. They think it's some kind of like, I don't know, cult Bible or something. <laughs> they don't yeah. understand. It's actually the link between philosophy and science. And if you don't know that link, it'll teach it to you. You can see what the link is. And, and when you've got that link, then you know how to relate the philosophy to the patients through science that they are, should already understand. It's very simple. The simple science they already understand that will then help them to incorporate the philosophy behind it. Yeah. And that's where I, that's why I wanted to take that course after I graduated, because when you're in school, it's like the most anti-cool thing to do is go to learn philosophy of chiropractic, right? Everyone like, well, it's just, and you're also, I didn't understand even chiropractic at all, period, before I got there. So it was just too much for me to really grasp at that time. So I knew when I graduated, that was definitely one of my weaker points was my philosophy. And that's why I wanted to do that course. And it, it changed everything in the way that I perceive and go through every single day in, in the office now, because it, people, even there are people that I went to school, they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't have a philosophy. I don't do philosophy stuff. Well, that's a philosophy actually. So to, to not go and do have, say you don't use chiropractic philosophy as a philosophy of allopathic medicine usually. So that's where it, it's tough to see because sometimes people either depend on what they learned in school to, ride them out for their entire career, which I we were talking about earlier, how when you're the further away you get from that thing that you learned in school, the less you are actually applying it because it just starts to get muddy. It starts to get almost um, you lose your 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 clarity of what you're trying to do. So um, that's why both Britt and I, we really try and focus on going to as many seminars as we can now, because this is the time to really continue to keep learning and growing forward forward you know um a lot of times people when they graduate they they stop going to a lot of chiropractic stuff they they only go to business meetings and business seminars and they do a lot less chiropractic seminars so when you have that mentality of a businessman in that chiropractic office you have to have two hats but they should never be intermingling with each other and deciding for the other so um, your chiropractic and for us in our perspective is if we apply chiropractic the way it should be principally and uh, apply Gonstead chiropractic the way that it should be principally, then the the business side will automatically come because we're delivering something that nobody else does because no one focuses on their science and art 
application and their philosophy to explain that to their patients. So the philosophy is everything that gives us the ability to explain it from simple terms to very in-depth terms to others, depending on who we're talking to, because that that's that's our that's our pretty much that keeps it very clear for us to explain everything. So you know, I had a, an epiphany the other day. I was helping my daughter with some math and I hope she never hears this, but my daughter's not the greatest at math. <laughs> so she was supposed to be rounding up and rounding down. And I said, okay, so I'm watching her and she's staring at it for a while. And I said, you still, still haven't figured it out? I'm like five questions ahead of you. And she's like, I have a system. And I was like, well, it's not working. And I said, how about this? Forget your system, try my system. And she's like, all right. So I showed her my system and she reluctantly discovered that my system had her pumping out answers really fast. And I said, okay, this is very, very important. Here's my epiphany. As I said, when you get good at math, it doesn't mean you'll ever stop using this system. It just means you'll be able to use the system faster. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was like, that's chiropractic. Like, just because you get faster at chiropractic doesn't mean you stop using the system. You're just using the system faster. But if you never build that solid foundation with a good system, then you're just going fast, but you're not doing the work. And I don't know why. For me, when I realized that, I was like, yeah, that's true about a lot of things. Even driving. When you learn how to drive, you're learning the system and you're bad at it. And then as you get better, I didn't stop using the same system to drive. I just use it faster. Yeah, but it takes a while. That's the thing. I mean, it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of time to be able to get good enough at something to be able to do it at a more efficient rate, as opposed to trying to be in a time frame that you have to see a patient in. And that's where I think that's going to get you in some trouble sometimes if you're just trying to see a patient every five, 10 minutes just to be on that time frame, then you're, you're, you're not focusing on what's going on in front of you, which is that patient and doing your system right. So, I mean, I've, I've seen and I've asked to get adjusted by every single person I possibly can because I want to see what it feels like, how they go and how they do things. The, Dr. Wood, he's, practiced for over 50 years, right, of chiropractic. And when you watch him scope, he goes at the rate that he, that you see videos of Dr. Gansa doing, you know, like a very slow and consistent, exactly what it says in the chapters, right, where a lot of times you see when people graduate and they're trying to get started and see more patients faster, we're zooming through that scope. And then that's why it's not becoming as applicable either. But, um, that that's not going to get us faster is to try and rush through it. We have to be almost disciplined enough to go through the rougher parts of not being able to be as good yet and just keep training and training until you get to be proficient in it, because that's when we get faster. And it's. Yeah. And the, when it comes to scoping, the rate that they're going at, if you go at the right rate, you learn to recognize little, um, little blips or little weird things that it does that get your attention. You go, Ooh, there's something here. I need to investigate further. And when you go too fast, you miss those. You go right over the top of them. And so um, those guys, no matter how good they get, they're not going to go faster because they know that faster is going to hide that from them. And so if anybody's listening, I did a, I did a podcast with um, Kristen fellows on the scope. And so mm-hmm. if they haven't heard that one and they don't know how to scope, go, but listen to that one because she yeah. goes in a lot of detail about the detailed scoping. That was amazing. Yeah, I remember that changed the way I scoped the second. I, I've listened to it a few times because, I mean, there are so many pearls in that episode with her. And it's amazing to really get that perspective because everyone is just trying to, at least in my age frame of being in practice, so that 
zero to five year range, a lot of people are just trying to find ways to get to do and see more people, but um, a lot of marketing things and a lot of business stuff, but, but kind of the whole purpose of this t- call that we're doing today, there's been nothing that's been more beneficial for our office than doing these because you're, you're getting people to understand what you do and why it's important and why they should be almost telling the world the chiropractic story. And they do because they're, they get just as passionate as we do a lot of the times mm-hmm. because we were just as blind and we're like, oh my gosh, our eyes are open. We have to let everyone know what's going on here. That's how they feel. So it, it, it helps tremendously. And it's something that we can't dismiss it because I've heard of a lot of other objections about doing some lectures and talking with our chiropractic terms like, oh, don't use the word subluxation. Patients don't care about it, but they will care about it once you explain it to them about how it affects their health. You know, so it's one of those things that it takes a little bit of time to create your lecture, to be specific for you in your office and to get your message across. But once you do, it, it's pretty amazing how many people you, you see them sitting in the office and the light turns on in their head. Um, yeah. I know Dr. Josh Lawler also uh, told me about this thing he does, and we've been using it too. We get a clothespin and always, I always start the lecture. Our first slide is telling them to put the clothespin on their finger and then just leave it on and I'll get back to it. And then I'll talk about what I'd said, dyshyphenese, disease, subluxation, adaptation. After that, when I get to finishing what subluxation adaptation is, the slide comes up again of the paperclip, I mean, of the clothespin. And I say, how's this been? And by that time, people have been moving around. They've been like trying to take it off, move it. And because, I mean, it it's, gets uncomfortable after being there for a little bit of time. And I said, listen, I promise you guys, I did not make the um, the spring on it tighter while I was talking. I didn't clamp it down harder on you guys. I didn't I didn't change it. The, the point of that is that holding that on your finger for a second is not a big deal, right? But it being there for this 15 minutes, now that becomes painful. This is the same concept that happens in your body with subluxation. It could be something that you were able to adapt and wipe off when something first happened, when you were, uh, when you fell down the stairs and you were 20 years old, but now that you're 40 and you're having some, say, sciatica, do you see how this makes sense now? It's just, there's been pressure on that nerve for that long, and now it's displaying its dysfunction, but this is when it started. And then all of them, you just see the light go on real quick. It's using little things like that, that are so simple, but the it's such a great um, kind of metaphor for what's going on in the body. And, and they understand it so well. We, we I don't think we give our patients enough credit a lot of the times because they want to know and want to explain. We just have to want to do it. You know, we just, mm-hmm. we can't blame the patients on us not wanting to do it. <laughs> I, I, the thing I love about the clothespin is they can understand that once it went on, it was already cutting off blood flow and the nerve, but it didn't immediately start to hurt. And then when you have to finally take it off, just so they took it off, it doesn't immediately feel better because no. that's the big one is because people always want to know, well, you adjusted me. Why am I not immediately better? Well, yeah. sometimes you take that clothespin off and it still hurts, but you know that it's flowing. You know it's working right, but it needs time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I, we get to, there, those are, there are so many common objections that you hear. And I mean, especially me, because I was hearing them from my own close circle and a lot of my friends from home in New York, there isn't a great presence of chiropractic in New York, the state. So, I mean, in Long Island, all the way where I am at the East End there, we don't really have many chiropractic. I mean, there, I, we, I never went to a chiropractor. None of my friends did. We 
didn't even really understand what they did except make noise, crack back. So mm-hmm. that's what our mentality was. So we get to understand that and almost try and get, try to outreach to those people because they are the ones that once their lights get turned on, they are your biggest promoters. They, they go out and they talk about you. They share all your posts on social media and they, they want to get others to have their eyes open as well as theirs was. So it makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little about some of the things that you're, that you're doing in Florida? Uh, just a little bit. Yeah. So some of the ideas you had and where they came from. Uh, which part? I'm sorry. What'd you well, say? Your, uh, your groups that you, your groups you got going on. Oh yeah. So we started a Florida Gonstead Chiropractic Society just to, it's a nonprofit just to go around to the Florida colleges to, try and help just get more opportunity to be around like-minded groups, you know, because in schools, uh, when I was the president of the Gonset Club at our school, they, they worked really hard to not let you get opportunity as opposed to get you opportunity. So that always really, uh, that wasn't, I didn't understand it and I really didn't appreciate it much. So I kind of promised myself when I was in my, I call it in my little Palmer prison there my last quarter, I was trying to find ways to get more power to students to go and learn things because there are other groups and other chiropractic uh, groups that go to schools and charge like $1,000 for a weekend seminar and students go and pay that out. The, like They're fine doing that. They, they want just to be, I think they just want the opportunity to go and learn. So we started a Florida Gonsta group of five different offices that have been, um, we're, we're all under five years of practice. So we're, we're all very new into um, opening up. And so we just want to go there and kind of teach some clinical things that we wish we heard about when we were in school and how to focus on the right things. Because when you're in school, it gets so cloudy on what is important. Is it important or not to do an ortho? Is it important or not to do this, this, and this? Because in school, they're throwing it down your throat. But how much actually is used in a Gonset office? Because in Florida, there's not a lot of Gonset chiropractic around here whatsoever. You know, most things are either in California or the Midwest. So we're kind of on our own out here a little bit. And we just want to try and have some more opportunities for students to get information about Gonset chiropractic and about what and how special this system is. And we use that money that we raise from that to try and get all the, the club to go to more seminars in the Midwest. So that's where um, we're trying to just create more funds for the club to go and do that because the school doesn't let us really fundraise a lot. So that's where we try to get some more power back to those students to do more because they want to. They really do. That's great. Do you, do you have any final words or final suggestions for anybody who's thinking that they might want to start doing lectures but hasn't had the guts to do it? Uh, like yeah. what would you absolutely recommend and what would you say don't ever do this <laughs> i absolutely recommend just i mean tell the chiropractic story because that that speaks for itself we don't need to uh make it more embellished it, it is perfect in its entire sense of a profession from how much it went through in the past to be where we are now we have such a great opportunity to explain how great and how powerful a great adjustment is for a patient um because people are dying to hear it. They really are. Uh, one thing I would say to for sure do is just try your best to 
meet people where they are and, and bring them to that ultimate level of understanding of that we have as opposed to just shouting things at them because that's also things i've seen a little bit that um like a lot of people say they're philosophical and someone will ask a question about a symptom and they'll just get yelled at above down inside out and just yell that in their face and that's like their explanation of philosophy where it's it's something that we need to meet them where they are and pretty much be willing to let them open up and talk but also bring them to that understanding that they need to have and uh, utilize our terms and our chiropractic lexicon because that's what makes our profession different you know we don't manipulate we we adjust right there are all these things that they have and a kind of a wrong understanding about what chiropractic it's our job as a doctor in my opinion to educate people about what's going on with their body why it happened and how to live a healthier life so we're helping people do that by doing these lectures but they just need the opportunity it takes an hour twice a month we do we just schedule it for an hour it's usually only 30 minutes long but i mean it's an hour a month of actual lecture time and it changes the way people understand chiropractic which more people need the, the reason why our profession still only sees under 20 percent of the population is because i think we're still not explaining what we do well so really i mean if we don't do it nobody else will they'll only see more drug commercials online they'll only be told by their medical doctor that they need to be on 12 different medications and if we don't take that ownership that it is our job to educate people they never will so i think we just need to take a lot of ownership on that do most of your patients do they take the class before their first visit or do they have their first visit and then they take the class they actually take the class after their first visit okay yeah because i don't want we we just really like the idea that they see everything we do and then we explain as we're going for the applicable part for that individual but then they see why that is so important after the fact mm -hmm. you know where if we're saying something so important then they don't experience it yet to them they're like okay i mean i hear things are important without experiencing it all the time that's a commercial online you know where if they experience it and then they say wow i'm doing something that's helping me this much mm -hmm. they're really uh they're they're infatuated with that so it, it makes a huge difference. So when they've had that first visit, how do you then, how do you bring up the topic of the class? How do you talk to them about coming to that class and why you have it and, and why they should want to come? Yeah. So a lot of them will ask questions in that first visit. So they'll ask, um, how did this happen? What should I do at home? Are there any stretches or exercises I can do? Um, how long is this going to take? And all of those, if, if I don't get any of those questions, then I'll always say at the end, hey, we have a new patient orientation that is required for every patient so you can get the most out of your care here. It's going to help you heal better, heal faster, and um, understand the importance of why we're doing what we're doing and why there's a reason behind it. It's not just kind of pop and pray here. You know, it's, it's a, we're, we have a lot of, we have logic behind everything we're doing. So they, they have all been wanting to do it, honestly. There's a few that don't come and usually those are the patients that are just the harder patients to deal with. But then I'll say, hey, just come a little bit earlier to your appointment next visit. I'll double book you and you're going to get a 15 minute little free one, just a quicker one. That's not going to be as in depth, but 
I want you to understand why we're doing what we're doing. So you're on board just as much because if you're not on board and you're one foot in, one foot out, usually you won't get the best results as if you're all in on your care. And they, they want to, it's an investment for them, right? Because they're paying before they see the results usually, or as the, right after. Um, so to them, they want to get the most out of their money. They actually consider it to be more valuable that we're doing it as opposed to not because that doesn't cost them anything to come. It just is extra that they're getting. So they actually see it to be more valuable and they're excited about it. Great, great. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. I think yeah. people are going to get some good tips to help them with getting over that hurdle if they want to do it. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate all you do for everything in our profession because we just, it's hard to, when you're out doing different things and everyone's practicing in their own world and their own environment, it's, it's things like this that keep us with that right mentality. Like I was talking about the chiropractic mentality. So thank you for keeping us all together and uh, checking ourselves with all this. You're welcome. It does the same for me. <laughs> That's how I keep my, my brain straight. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Dr. Fowler. I appreciate it. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Marcos for joining me and being so willing to share what he's doing with all of you. He and I talked afterward, and we wanted to make you an offer. If you want to do in-office education, but you aren't sure what to say, we'd like to offer you a slide presentation that you can use. You'll need to develop your own script in your own words, but we can share with you the slide presentation. You can reach out to either myself or Dr. Marcos, and we'll help you out. We'd love to have more doctors educating the public on what real chiropractic looks like. Additionally, I've recently made some big changes in how I produce this podcast. As technology changes, systems change, and ultimately my resources change, I was hesitant to make the change because I didn't know what effect it would have, but in order to continue to bring you guest interviews, I had to make the change and hope for the best. If you notice some changes you didn't expect, I apologize in advance, but I'll let you know how things are changing as we work through the process. I also have one final request. My son recently launched his own gaming channel. Talk about working through the bugs, not to mention working with children. Anyway, if you have any young children who might enjoy watching him walk through how he plays his favorite games, his channel is called Fun Gaming, and he goes by the name EJ Glorious. There's a story behind that name, but I won't bore you with it. If you could check out his channel, he would absolutely love it. As always, I hope you have the very best week possible, and I'll see you again next time.